Welcome to the What's Your Ceiling podcast. We're your hosts, Monty Wyatt and Paul Szczynski. Wherever you are in life, there is a higher ceiling. This podcast is how you become aware of it and how to take action to push through it. I'm Monty Wyatt, best-selling author of Pulling Profits Out of a Hat and CEO of Adding Zero's Executive Development. I grew up on a family farm in Iowa and have gone from sowing corn to sowing seeds of success throughout the world, leading, managing, and training teams. With me is Paul Szczynski, entrepreneur and investor who also grew up on a family farm here in Iowa. We believe every organization and person can be intentional in how they lead, influence, and manage their lives and businesses. What's Your Ceiling is for professionals, managers, executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners who want to achieve more in their health, family, and business by breaking through their ceiling. Every episode will give you real-world, easy-to-implement solutions so that you can be more aware and take action to reach new heights. It's time to discover your ceiling. Welcome to the What's Your Ceiling podcast. I'm Monty Wyatt, where we talk about your health, your family, and your business. I have got an amazing guest for us today. We're going to have a great conversation. Uh, she's a great friend of mine. She's a relationship expert. She's a four-time book author. She's a fellow podcaster, and she has a purpose of helping others become their best, best version of themselves. So I want to welcome Cynthia Hyatt to What's Your Ceiling? Welcome, Cynthia. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Well, I am looking forward to our conversation and uh, hearing everything that you do to, to help people in today's mental state as you're coaching them, as you're helping them through different things. We always start our, our podcast with a theme, and our theme today is our best version. So yeah. when you hear the phrase, our best version, what comes to mind for you? Well, I'm really glad that you kind of took that on because when I first did it, it was probably about 10 years ago. And it was, God really just gave me this idea of, you know, we can be so many versions of ourselves and we are different versions at different times in our life. I mean, me in high school versus me in college, you know, or who, who am I to my neighbor? Who am I to my colleagues? Who am I to my clients? You know, my husband, you know, who am I at the grocery store? And so it's really helping people to be able to say, you know, I have to decide who I want to be. And if I'm going to be the best version of myself, I can't be somebody I'm not. And so it really helped me to say, you know, this is who, this is me. And I can decide on a lot of parts of me. There are some parts of me that obviously I can't change. I can't, you know, but it's the acceptance of who you are first and realizing that you certainly were created for a reason, you were born, you, there's a point of all of this. And so when I remind myself to be the best version of me, that helps me to either rein in some negative emotions, or it helps me to have confidence to express positive emotions. It also helps me to recognize when I need to take a different path, or when I need to practice the word no. And so being the best version of me might be saying no, to something I know I shouldn't be doing. And so a lot of it is really recognizing that my, my philosophy or my belief system is understanding that every human is a unique person. Nobody is replicated. And one of the shows I did about this, part of what I found as I was creating the show is I was doing this whole entire thing and I got to 
to the end and I was talking about how unique everybody is. Nobody can be replicated. And then I thought to myself, oh my gosh, but what about twins, identical twins and fingerprints? Oh no, I messed up my whole premise, right? <laughs> so I start researching twins in utero and fingerprints. And I came to find the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. The way that fingerprints are made is when the little babies are in utero and their fingers are pushing against the inside of the uterine wall and it makes little impressions on their little fingers. Really? So that's why, yes, isn't that, I mean, it was just so beautiful. And so I was like, that's why, even if they're identical in every other way, they still have a very unique fingerprint that they're going to put on the world. And so it, it helps when we recognize that instead of comparing and contrasting ourselves to everybody else and why should I, why can't I be like that? And I should have been like this and I could have done this is to be able to say, that's part of being a really good version of you. If I tried something and it didn't work, then being a good version of me is not continuing to do that thing that's not working. Yeah. Right. So if, if I get to the point where I say, you know, this just isn't working, then that I can be brave enough to stop and take a different journey. And that's not a failure. That's actually a success. Mm-hmm. Why would I waste time trying to do something that whether it sounded like a great idea or not, it's not happening. So yeah. I can learn from the fact that it didn't happen and not take that on as a mistake. And, and so a lot of it has to do with, wow, if I'm really putting myself out there and I'm wanting to be the best version of me, then I'm allowed to change. I'm allowed to say to people, yeah, I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. It's not really who I am. I figured that out. It's not a good version of me. So like for me, not a good version for me is if somebody's asking me to do meticulous things. So nobody wants me to be their accountant. Okay. (laughs) I can be a good version of myself by showing up and being willing, but I'm not going to do a good job. And so when I know that about me, I can say, thank God for accountants, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really I really love what you said. It's a, it's a decision to be our best version. Yes, and and I'd love to add to that because when I think of our best version is we're making every day a masterpiece. We're, we're choosing to be our best every yes. single day. We're showing up. We're not just showing up. We're doing our best of our ability. That's and right. When, when people say I'm doing my best, sometimes they're not and right. because they're they're making a choice. It's, it's almost an excuse while well, I'm doing my best instead of actually this day is a masterpiece. And I think that's a powerful thing to view it as a masterpiece because I'm choosing to do what is best for me today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think going along along with that, it's recognizing that if I'm being the best version of myself, sometimes that means to stop. Yep. Right. Sometimes it means to practice the word no. And I I did this one podcast, it's called making no your best friend. Because we have a really hard time in our culture saying no. But we do say no to many of the wrong things. And then we'll say no to the right. Yes to the wrong things. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like I just did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Being able to recognize that no can be my best friend. That can help me galvanize me to make a better decision to go on a different path. And so it takes effort. But I always remind people, 
you know, we put effort into all kinds of things. We put effort into our bodies, into our hair, into our education. We put effort into our children. And then we forget to put effort into ourselves. And so being the best version of me is making sure that I'm in I, I'm in a good operating order. It's kind of like if someone says, yeah, you can borrow my car. And you're like, thank you. That's going to really help me out a lot. You go open, you know, you take the key, you open the car. It's, it doesn't have any gas in it. It's got flat tires. It's like, what good is that? And so sometimes being the best version of me says, ah, I need to say, I need to say no, or I need to say stop, or I need to recognize that I can be proud of how much effort I put into something. And just because it didn't come to fruition doesn't mean it's a mistake. It means it's a great lesson. You know, our, our show is about health, family, and business. And I, I think being our, the best version of ourselves also is looking at the holistic of our of ourselves. Are we exercising? Are we eating right? Are we spending time with our family that we should? Uh, are we managing the business the way that we should? Are we taking care of ourselves? So it's it's not just in one area. It's taking a look at I'm the best version of myself in every aspect of it instead of, well, I'm just choosing this area. Uh, right. and that's, that's, that's a, that's a challenging thing to do in today's world. Well, and, and the other thing, as you, as you're talking about that, the best version of you in all these different areas, one of the things that helps me to keep doing that, taking care of myself, making sure I get sleep, exercise, all those types of things is because the greatest act of love that I could give to people that love me is that they don't have to worry about me. And see, you know, how you feel about friends and family and pets and kids and and grandkids. And when I am actively taking good care of me, it's ridiculous to think that that's somehow being, I don't know, indulgent. See, indulgent is not taking care of me. Mm. I don't like to take care of me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who really does. I mean, we do some things that maybe we enjoy getting my hair cut, maybe, I don't know. But Man, taking care of yourself, going to sleep, getting up, exercising, eating the right foods, making sure that what you're watching on TV is not, you know, something that's going to harden your heart, you know, all these kinds of things that we do so that, wow, the people in my family do not have to worry. And that's a wonderful blessing to give to anyone that loves you. What a perspective right there. That, that's a whole new perspective right there, because the, the world wants others to take care of us. How can we take care of you? How can we do this instead of let's take care of ourselves? Right, right. And see, then when we do, I mean, think about, you know, anyone that's in the military. Think about firefighters. They're always on their game because they never know when they're going to have to show up. And so when we can live that way, we are also going to enjoy our own lives better. We're going to enjoy ourselves better. We're going to have less insecurities because we feel better about ourselves. Yep. And then it also gives us more humility so that I can say, hey, you know, that's my bad. I, I messed that up. I mean, how many times have I done that with you? Right. <laughs> I can't count that high. I, I don't. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> you still ask me on your show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, Cynthia, you, you have been a great help to me over the last, uh, a lot over the last year, I know we've spent a lot of time together. You've helped me through challenging things. I'd, I'd love for you to tell our audience, our audience, we, we call them the achiever. And mm, I'd love okay. for you to tell our achiever out there, you know, how do you help folks think differently? Because it is a lot about how you think, how you approach things, 
and in that mental aspect of it. So tell us, mm -hmm. tell us how you help people. Well, you know, there are, there is one book that I would really like to recommend to people read and it's how words can change your brain. And it is one of the most revolutionizing books I've ever read because it's these two neuroscientists that really began to understand how the brain works. And when you really understand that all your brain is doing is working for you. And so it's this idea of if I say in my thoughts, if I tell myself I'm such a loser, okay, my brain goes, oh, that's what she wants us to make her be. Mm -hmm. And it starts to flood me with all kinds of reasons why I'm a loser all the way back. I mean, years, right? And so our brain thinks it's helping us. So we have to, to realize that our brain is just like the GPS in our car, right? Yep. Yep. And how many times have you like tried to get out of the GPS and it keeps telling you where to go? And you finally have to like, I'm pulling over and turning the car off. <laughs> you know? And so that's how much our brain is hardwired to do that. So it keeps telling us and telling us and telling us. And so what we want to do is if we're getting these repetitive kinds of prompts that aren't working for us, all we have to do is say to our brain, hey, thank you for helping me. I don't need that right now. And it goes away immediately. It's crazy. And so when you think about the different hemispheres of the brain, we have this side which is all the fight, flight, or freeze. This is the amygdala lies over on, on the, the right side of our brain. And that one is like the police and fire department and ambulance, okay? So it is ready to launch at any moment. So mm -hmm. this is what happens when, you know, you get out of your car, you're kind of tired, you're walking into the grocery store, you know, and, and the person like jumps in front of you to make it through the door before you. And you're like, really? really. So then as you walk through the store, guess what you start noticing? All the things you hate about people, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, then your brain goes, oh, that's what she wants. So then it starts to rehash past things and bring up things like, yeah, but remember when that person in high school did that, right? <laughs> and it's like, now we're in a bad mood, okay? <laughs> and so it's fascinating to recognize that you have these super highways in your brain and that the neurons that carry the information are carrying it to the right parts of the brain. Now, it could be the head brain, it could be the heart brain, could be the gut brain. And when I've talked to my clients about the head, the, the gut, the heart, and the head, it's fascinating to recognize that in your intestines are more neurotransmitters than your whole entire body. And so this is why when we say, you know, I have this gut feeling, right? Because there's so, so much wisdom in the gut. And that goes all the way back to Israel. Okay. They talked about in, in old writings, they talk all about the gut and see when we, when we work with people and we say, Hey, what's going on in your gut? Are you not feeding it? Well, are you, you know, not eating the right foods? You know, are you needing, you know, are you constipated? These types of things will stop us from being able to, to find truth and to hear the information that we need to have. Hmm. So we also have our heart brain and the heart brain really is all about feelings. It's very emotional. You know that, right? Yep. So if I'm not careful, my heart starts to talk to my head and my head goes, oh, okay. So you're a loser. That's why they didn't ask you out on your second date because you're a loser. And then your heart goes, yeah, I'm a loser. Okay. So then it starts to flood all of your lungs, right? Now it's in your gut and you just feel like I hate living, right? So it's so much like the GPS in your car. You have to give the right information. So when, when the Bible talks about think on these things, those things that are good, of good repute, 
are holy, are natural, are healthy, are helpful. Think on those things. So we want to be careful that we don't think on negative things. Now, I don't want to be Pollyanna and pretend like it's not there, but right. I want to say to myself, is this, a hell, is this a good time for me to think about that? Is this going to help me in my day if I let myself think on that event that happened with my wife before I left for work? Is that going to help my employees? Or do I need to maybe, and I tell clients many times, carry around a little small notepad and write down the things that you need to think about, but you shouldn't be doing it now. And then your brain goes, oh, good. It's somewhere. We don't have to hold it for Cynthia. She knows where it is. And then that part of my brain calms down and I'm more efficient at doing what I'm supposed to be doing and what's right in front of me. And then I don't go home thinking, man, I should have never gone to work today. I wasn't even there. My head wasn't even there, you know? And then we have all those regrets that hurt our heart is what happens. Then it sends it down to the gut and the gut starts to like roll around and stew about it. And then we really feel sick. And then we think it's because we're a bad person, right? right? Or we're a loser. And we go back to all those names that we've learned. Instead of recognizing that your body was made to work for you, it's designed, it's hardwired to work for you. So it can't do as well as it needs to or should do if we're not treating it well. And so it helps to have a good relationship with your body. Now, I will tell you this from personal experience. When I was in my 20s, I had a very bad eating disorder. Okay. Now, this is actually how I got into therapy because in this eating disorder uh, hospital, they, all the nurses and doctors would come and ask me questions because I had, they're like, you have such great insight. What do you think about this person? Okay. <laughs> so it's like, wow. Right. Now, I did not want to be a therapist. I wanted to be a rock star. I, I sang I, and performed and did all this stuff. And so what had to happen for me is that the more that I pushed doing what I wanted to do and not listening to my gut, the worse my performance got. And so when I started realizing that, hey, this is natural to me, people will talk to me in the grocery store and say, hey, what do you think about this? And I'll give them something like, thank you, that really helps. So as that kept happening, I thought, maybe I'm supposed to be a therapist or something. So you right? help people find their strengths to push through their challenges. That's right. I love that. That's right. Yes. And so what happens is you also feel better about you and you also feel better being with you. You end up liking yourself more. And so when I was struggling with that eating disorder, one of the things that I recognized is I just always wanted to unzip myself and get out. Hmm. I wanted to be a different person, you know? And I complained to God repetitively about this. And finally, God said to me one day, he goes, Cynthia, stop. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear you complain to me about yourself. I like you. I planned you. I'm happy I made you. So you can get with the program if you want, or you can be miserable. But I'm glad with how I made you. Hmm. And I was like, ow. (laughs) And so from that point on, I don't complain about myself. I might complain about, hey, I don't like the decision I made. I could have probably done that better. But I don't go, why can't I be this? Or why can't I be that? Or I should have could, could have done this. And see, it helps our mind to keep us in the right headspace when we're not giving the mind all this information that's not true. It's just a feeling. And, and if the only thing that you're, you're, you know, the people that are listening here for me today, when I realized feelings are very real, not always true, that I can't believe every feeling I have, they're fleeting. And they're situational. The truth is always the truth. 
you know, you you just made me remember a quote from your latest okay. book. <laughs> Thank and, you. And I, I want to pull this out because I think this is, feelings are very real, but not always true. Yes. And tell us more about that, that feelings may be real, but they aren't always true. Tell us about well, that. When you think about the word real, real is um, temporary. Re you know, if I want to say that this is real, like, wow, that I can say they really love me, right? And I believe it. They really love me. Well, what if they stop loving me? So I have to remind myself that was a feeling they gave me and I don't get that feeling from them anymore. Does that mean that, that I'm not lovable? Mm. Or did it mean that they just stopped or they couldn't or something was going on with them? Whatever that was. So if I recognize that I can have feelings and one of the, the most powerful ways I learned this was I felt fat all the time to the point that I had to have IVs. I, I was not allowed off the bed in this hospital because I weighed so little and I was weighing 104 and I felt like 200 pounds. So when I say to people, you can feel like a loser. Okay. Well, maybe it didn't do something the right way. That doesn't mean that's your identity. It doesn't mean it's your uniqueness. That's what you were born with. These are things that are occurring outside of you. If you take them in, then you're claiming them as true. And then what happens is your heart gets the information and says, okay, so she's not lovable. And it tells me all the ways I'm not lovable. And so my brain, my heart, my gut to reinforce my reality. But I don't know if it's actually true. Right. So this is where we have to remind ourselves that, that you know, one of the, the favorite, my favorite Bible verses is when God says, you know, um, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I have learned that in so many ways that I didn't want a truth because I thought it would hurt me. And as soon as I heard the truth, I felt relief. I was like, that's true. That's true. And even if it's a negative truth, I have energy to turn it around if I want. Yep. But with a feeling, feelings are fleeting. Mm -hmm. And so my feelings change rapidly. And this is why... With, with couples, when I work with them, I'm like, okay, so do things, do activities, do behaviors that cause them to have good feelings about you. And, and it's kind of like a novel concept, but I say to them, you know, your baby is crying its head off and you want to sleep and it's four o'clock in the morning. So you're having a bad experience of that baby. Does it mean you're going to get rid of the baby? Of course not. It's temporary. The baby's having a hard time. Does it mean the baby doesn't like me or I'm not a good mom? Well, I've had some women, I've had to talk to them about that. I said, they're not even thinking about you. Mm -hmm. They're trying to survive is all they're trying to do. And so many people are simply surviving and we're taking it personally. So let's let's dig into that. I, I think the, the world probably has a, a stronger mental health challenge than we've ever had before. Yes. You know, just would love a, a couple suggestions or tips of how do we how do we start to address that? Because whether it's the workplace, our, our stress life, our, our home life that's stressful, how, how do we work through some of these things? Because I, I think that's stress and, and our, our mental health is, is a huge challenge today. Well, I think you're, you're right on. And what I've come to learn and that I teach is, is making sure that we remind ourselves that we're in charge of how we feel we can accept a feeling or we can reject a feeling 
Feelings are fleeting. They're chemical responses to different things that happen out in the world. And what we have right now is a bunch of adults that are thinking like children and wanting to feel good all the time and thinking that everything that they do, they should be applauded for instead of saying, can't I just feel good about myself because I did the right thing? So I can carry that with me everywhere I go. If I don't do the right thing, I can forgive myself and get back up and do the right thing. Yeah. And so we overcomplicate it by giving people this impression that being an adult is arduous and, and laborious. And instead of recognizing that being an adult is so much easier if I'm willing to be a grown-up. Life mm -hmm. is much easier as a grown-up. We never send 12-year-olds to the bank, Right. We don't want our our 15 year old to go, you know, and get married. What what we're wanting is for people to be age appropriate. And so what we find with grown up humans is they're not age appropriate in their mind and in their hearts. They're still wanting something mm -hmm. that they didn't get back in their childhood. You know, they didn't get picked on the for the football team or whatever. That, and that's stuck with them their whole life. And everything that that they do is, you know, weighed against that. And so it, it's realizing that, wow, I have one, one life and I get to make so many decisions about it. And if things happen to me that I didn't choose, I still get to choose how I, how I think about it, what I think on, how, I, how much I take it personally. I get choices about so many things. Mm -hmm. And so we're struggling so much right now with identity. And, and I, I, that's why I tell people about you know the, the little twin babies. You're thinking you have to go, I don't know, out of bounds to be unique. Every human is unique. Nobody can be you. Only you can be you if you're willing. And so it doesn't mean that there are things about me I want to change. I mean, I've certainly talked to God about some things that I wish he didn't do. And he told me very frankly that he didn't consult me when he made me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, okay, all right. You know, <laughs> so, you know, it's recognizing that if I accept who I am, it goes back to that old adage of I accept, you know, what I can't change and I change what I can. And we have to get over ourselves. The, the world is still a phenomenally great place and humans still want to do good things. And I see them do it all the time. And it's easier to think negatively because it's like gravity, right? Yeah. Oh, so. fantastic. I, I really love what you said. If, if you haven't noticed, I've been taking notes because I, I think that you, you just bring out so many things. Life is easier as a grown up and we have to be age appropriate. And instead of letting someone else tell us how we should think, we mm -hmm. need to be thinking for ourselves and we need to take ownership for ourselves. Again, being our best version is about ourselves, not what others right. are telling us. That's right. That's right. And see, when I am, that's like why I told you how kind it is for all my friends, family, and clients that I take care of myself. It isn't because I'm indulging myself. It's because I have a responsibility to people that love me. And so I, I want the people that I love to take care of themselves as well. And that's a very adult thing to do. And what it does when we do that as adults, we feel better about ourselves. We feel stronger. And we are able then to take on more things that maybe do change the world. Mm -hmm. but we can't indulge that that little child inside of us thinking that that's we have to make that inner child happy i mean you right. you have kids are you always trying to make them happy oh my gosh it's hard it is very hard <laughs> <laughs> that's why what we say is as parents 
We're just getting them through a moment. That's all we're doing. So I say to clients, why are you stuck in the moment and taking that moment with you to the next moment? What if the next moment was going to be great and now you don't get it because you're stuck in the last moment? So stop being stuck in the moment. Exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. You know, uh, I'd love for here I, to, to hear you talk about executives. And I know you've got some executive clients. I've got executive clients. What are some things that you're seeing that, that uh, your clients are doing to help them push some of these self-beliefs and some of these, right, right. these personal challenges? Well, I think a lot of it helps them if I say to, if I say to them, what got you to this position? So whatever got you to this position, then all you need to do is continue to do it and continue to have add-ons that might make it even stronger, smarter, you know, more uh, achievable. And so it isn't necessarily undoing the whole thing. It's saying, okay, for this season of my life or for this particular project I'm on, what are the things that are necessary for this? Does it mean that I have to lose a little bit of sleep? Maybe. But if I lose too much, I'm not good for anybody. Yeah. You know? Does it mean that I have to do something I don't want to do because I like the result? Like, I like the result of being on your show. I don't know if I really wanted to do it with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm teasing. I guess they <laughs> but it, it, it helps to make the point. It's like, there are people that I work with that I wouldn't necessarily want to be friends with. Yeah. But they have a talent, they have an ability, they have a drive, they have some like-mindedness. So I'm going to overlook a lot of stuff. So I, I tell people many times, you're like walking piece of Velcro, you're snagging on everything. Smooth it down, just smooth it down. <laughs> everything doesn't need attention. <laughs> everything doesn't need attention. <laughs> <laughs> Except oh. for me. <laughs> Right. You know, I, I think everybody says they're so busy. And I think that's that's another challenge that we all have is we're trying to do everything. Everything yeah. doesn't need attention. And we we believe, we believe it does. And so I can be the best mom, the mo best dad, the best leader, the best manager, whatever it is. And that's that's a big challenge. We can't. And see, that's what, that that's where it goes back to saying, if I can, I would. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I? So if I can't, I have to accept that. I can't do everything. And if I try, I'm going to mess up a lot of things. And so it's being able to say being the best version of me is making sure that the product or the, or the interaction that I had with the person helped them be better or feel better and not giving them more burdens to carry. And so that might mean that, hey, I had to cut this short over here. Or it might mean that I have to say to them, when can we talk again? Because I have something I'd like to share with you that I think will help. But if I do it now, I'm going to mess up some other things I'm doing. Timing is so important. Yeah. And people can accept that. And if they can't, then they need to do the schooling of being grown up. Right? Yeah. Yes. And they need to learn to wait. See, one of the most important qualities of humans that are, are, are parents and adults that are good adults, they have the ability to wait. You know, one of the challenges that I see with a lot of my clients, they're they're frustrated with the generation because of they're not acting age appropriate. Mm -hmm. And so we as employers are trying to be the parent and the employer right. at the right. same time. Right. Because our employees aren't acting their appropriate age. So, you know, that's where I think companies like that would do well if they said to those 
those younger employees. I don't need to explain this to you. I need you to watch me. Just copy what I do, mm. you know, so that you're not taking all this time like it's your child to like, okay, you know, that you're saying, wait, this is your job to learn this. And see, when we talk to people in those ways, more adult ways, they feel better every time. Yeah. So when I say to them, you can do this, why aren't you doing it? Well, I don't think I can. I'm afraid of, you know, whatever that is. You can say, okay, how many, how many hours do you need to feign, you know, your confusion and to make sure that you can complain as long as you can. And then you're going to show up at work tomorrow and it's still going to be there. You still need to do the job. Right. Right. And so that's more coaching people. That's saying, hey, I wouldn't put you in this position if I thought you're going to fail. Why would I do that to myself? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And so they're so tentative in so many ways where you and I, we jumped at the opportunities. We couldn't wait to have them, you know, and they're so willing to be complacent and like, well, this is good enough, you know. I want to reinforce what you just said to our achiever out there. You know, it it is about coaching. And some people get fearful of the word coaching. It's like helping people push through it with confidence because mm -hmm. they can do it. And sometimes <laughs> they just need someone to say, you've got this. I know. What do you, you, think, do what do you think cheerleaders are for? Absolutely. They don't play football, right? They're cheering. They're cheering on the team in the whole entire stadium. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I love that, that I, I want our achiever to take that away, that we have to be that cheerleader, that coach, that yeah. reinforcer to encourage people that they can do it. And right. when we eliminate the feeling of frustration, we can push people through and mm -hmm. it will get better. And using the frustration to push you forward. Yes. You know, and I, and I think that it's, it's tough because we're such a society of feelings now it's kind of like all the therapy stuff has now turned against us we're you know i can't tell you how many times i have to say to clients would you just ignore the feeling please it'll go away you know and i have this terrible saying that that i think you will like but kind of prissy so i don't like saying it but this is what i'm going to tell you okay i tell this to young people all the time feelings are like gas they pass and it might be embarrassing but they pass. Yeah. It doesn't kill you. It doesn't do anything. It, nothing. It's just uncomfortable. So you can press right on through it. And it won't last. That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I really appreciate uh, the insights and the comments that you've made today. And I hope our achiever takes them away and takes them to heart uh, to, to put these things into practice because it, it is, it is a challenge and we have to take ownership for ourselves and that's becoming our best version. And, and you, you've given some great tips and, and I'll summarize a couple here in a moment, but one of the, one of the last questions I, I love to always ask is what do you want to be known for? So as you think about the impact that you're making with your clients or, or the people that you interact with, what do you, what do you want to be remembered by? Or what do you want to be known for? You, mostly that when people interact with me, they feel loved. They feel very loved. Even if I'm telling them hard things. You want people to feel loved. I, I love yeah. that. Uh, because I think that's it. that's important for people to have courage to change. And so sometimes in my life, I've had to love myself, even if I didn't think anybody else did. Mm -hmm. I kind of had to love myself out of myself, you know, you know, realizing that I'm going to be me forever. That was daunting. You know, somehow yeah. I thought I'd go to heaven and be, I don't know, somebody different, you know. And here I still am. And it, it's making peace with you and recognizing that 
you know, humans are amazing. When, when we think about this idea of human lives, you know, I, I give people the example that, you know, inmates, you know, like hardened criminals that are going to be executed, right? They sterilize the needle they kill them with. This is how, this is innately how, how valuable human beings are. That's I mean, they get a lot of trouble if they mess up that execution. Lots of trouble. That's so. Well, a, a few points I want our uh, our achiever to take away from, you know, it's a decision to be our best version. And right. we, we decide that every day. It's what we say yes and no to. We each are unique. There's no one else like us. Uh, I, I really love this. You said the greatest act of love is that people don't have to worry about you. And and I, I think that's that's great. Just just love the the focus of feeling is temporary and stop being stuck in the moment. We can't do everything. You, you had so many right. little little tidbits. I, <laughs> I, I tried to capture them all, but uh, that's that's why we record this, right? So I, I, I just want to say thank you so much for your time today. You you are amazing. You've helped me greatly. And how can people get a hold of you if they want to know more about you and, and seek out? <laughs> yes. Um, my website is CynthiaHyatt.com. And it's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T, -T, phonetically perfect, <laughs> Cynthia Hyatt. <laughs> so, and um, <clears throat> you can certainly find me on your favorite podcast server. I have lots of shows that are out there and um, lots of good things during the week. You can go to Facebook and all the things that are online. So I have, I have a team that does a lot of good work for me. So I appreciate them. That is wonderful. Thank you for being a great relationship expert, a great uh, <laughs> counselor to me, and hopefully a counselor to all of our achievers out there. So thank you for joining us, Cynthia. Truly, it's, it's truly an honor to be asked by someone that has also, you know, that I've been able to teach. So I really, really do appreciate you allowing me to be on the show. I really do. Fun. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on What's Your Ceiling podcast. Look forward to uh, a next episode next week and uh, keep up the great work, Achievers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to What's Your Ceiling. We hope this episode has helped you transform the way you think, understand your awareness, has given you new ideas, and has provided you a new perspective on how to push through your ceiling. Please take in a second to give us a thumbs up. Each review helps us impact more people just like you making a difference in this world. See you next week on What's Your Ceiling?